Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by mentalmastery.com.au, the show dedicated to fun mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Well, hello and good morning to everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. It's Roscoe here, your co-host, and thanks for joining in. As always, thank you for the feedback, the shares, subscribes, the uh, all of the kind things you do for us to help this podcast grow. We really do appreciate it. And joined today by a special guest uh, over there in the US of A. But before I bring in Matt Snyder, I'll just uh, say good day to the mental master himself. Uh, yes, Jamie Glazier, how are you? Roscoe, very well this morning, mate. Very well, thank you. Mate, it's been a, a busy couple of weeks for you. Uh, a little bit uh, less so for me, but also busy for me. But uh the Mental Mastery Clubhouse is is alive, uh, mentalmastery.com.au. Um, how do you feel about that? Oh, look, I'm, I'm super excited and I don't really believe um, or agree with your statement about you've been a little bit less busier than I have uh, back here. The Mental Mastery Clubhouse is um, has been a work in project for a couple of months now and you, my friend, have done a lot of work to, to put that together, so I really appreciate that. But I'm so excited to... Um, to start this journey, obviously we're only at the beginning, but uh, you know we're, we've got some great plans in building. And yesterday we were able to, you know, announce our first partnership, which was uh, with you and Porter and and the the Super Sixes, the Junior Sixes, which is a great junior event here and um, in Australia, but also you know internationally it's starting to grow. So yeah, really excited about the clubhouse and um, yeah, yeah, that was to- look. That's a, a massive achievement and a massive um, recognition from you know, someone like Ewan who is doing such a, an immense amount of work to really uh, build the profile of junior golf in Australia. You know, we all played junior golf uh, here. Most of the people probably listened, played some level of junior golf. I came through the Jack Newton Foundation and, you know, to have people like Ewan you know, putting structure and process behind junior golf in an effort to build the future of Australian golf, uh, he's, it's an asset. And for him to, uh, you know, partner with you in that and you offer your services through that program, it's uh, it's a massive uh, credit to you, so well done. But uh, mentalmastery.com.au, you should check that out, everyone, because that is the hub where uh, you know you can connect with uh, Jamie and all the work. You can actually find the podcast over there. It's, it's probably the best place to go to uh, download the recent episode because all the episodes are there. Just go to mentalmastery.com.au and you'll find the podcast there or wherever you get your podcast. But today we have a very special guest, and it's a very special day for our guest, uh, Matt Snyder in Las Vegas. Happy birthday, and welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. How are you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, pretty good. Thanks for having me. Well, it's been a big uh, it's been a big year for Snides. Um, he uh, had a little event happen a few months back, mate. If you could just go into detail about that, that'd be great. Yeah, six weeks ago, uh, life changed for on a massive level. Uh, had a little baby boy, Dean. Uh, so yeah, I've been less focused on golf to a certain degree. At least it's easier to shut off when I leave the golf course because uh, there's just a little human trying to survive out here. All he does <laughs> eat, grow. It's awesome. I, I guess it's uh, well, we're, well, we're talking about it. Congratulations on, on the birth of uh, yeah, young, young Dean. It's, it always brings another level of perspective uh, when you have yeah. a, a little human to care I, I, for and, and what you're doing and, and how you go about it and, and the focus that you, you know, have to put on someone else, something else, but also maintain your level of professionalism in, in, pursuing your career in a, in a, a couple of ways i actually think it kind of helps uh you know it's just so much less of you know so so many times 
young golfers, we get tied up. Our identity is our golf and that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of easier to step away, look back and life's so much bigger than playing golf. Obviously it's still what I want to do. Um, but it's, you know, not who I am. Uh, such a good point Snyth makes there with, um, with how our golf identity can consume us and, and how we played that day can, can make us, you know, feel a certain way about ourselves. And for a lot of young, you know, elite golfers, young juniors, uh, professional golfers, switching off from, from golf is one of the, the, the more challenging things. So, um, you know, as he said, being able to have something away from the course that just is more important than the game of golf and helps him to switch off is, um, is, is really great, not only for his golf, but more importantly for, for him as a person. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. So, Matt? You know, you're you're a client of Jamie's. You've been working with Jamie for a while now. So I might get you to you know tell us about the journey, yeah. how you came into you know, the world of of Jamie Glazier, and you know when you started your professional career. Just give us a little bit of an introduction into who Matt Snyder is, the golfer, and um, and we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah. So I turned. I went to uh, school at Cal Lutheran, uh, and when I graduated in 2012, uh, knew that my game wasn't quite tight enough to turn pro straight away. And there are a couple of things on the amateur side of stuff that I wanted to do. Um, and so then I turned professional uh, in 2014 uh, and just kind of, how do I say it? Uh, got, got beat up a bit um, through those first few years, uh, just realizing how much better uh, the competition pool in professional golf is um, and kind of how far I had to go. Uh, and then Jamie help me remember what year was it that I think it's about five years, four years, was, five years ago. Yeah. I was going to say it was 16 or 17. Um, yeah. I just, I walked onto the putting green at TBC Summerlin, uh, and he was working with a buddy of mine and I just kind of went over, said hello and kind of left it at that. And then, I don't know, a couple of days later, uh, gave him a call just knowing that that's kind of what was holding me back was the mental side of the game. Um, I feel like I can hit the ball with the best of them. Um, but, you know, early on, especially didn't, didn't think my way around golf courses, golf tournaments, preparation, anything like that, uh, particularly well. Uh, definitely my college career didn't prepare me for professional golf, going to a smaller school and just not, that's just not how that program was built. Um, so yeah. Sensational. Yeah, it's been a, uh, been a fun five years. And, and I think, you know, today's, uh, episode of the podcast, we want to talk about, you know, that the importance of detailed and descriptive thinking and, uh, you know, a variety of reasons why we got you on as a guest on the podcast, mate, it's been a long time coming, getting you as a guest, but I think just this moment couldn't be a better time to have you on for a couple of reasons. One, to talk about that descriptive detailed thinking, um, I recall one of our one of our f- not first sessions, but I, we were working together a little while, and, and I remember back at Summer, and uh, you know, we went out on course to do some work, and uh, I remember the, the first hole we had uh, we we had about 104 yards into the first hole, and I asked you, you know, what are you seeing here? What are you thinking? And you went into what we'd classify as a very vague. Um, sloppy thinking when it come to that shot and hit a pretty decent shot about 25 feet or so over the over the pin um, 
you know, it was a nice looking shot in the air, but it just, you know, as, as you say, 25, 30 feet from, from 104 yards, um, probably not quite, you know, going to make it out on tour. Um, so tell me what happened after you hit that shot. Just explain to the listeners what we went through after that, after that shot. Yeah. So you asked me to get as specific as I could, as far as uh, where, what number the ball was going to land. Uh, and then, cause I think that's really all I gave you. And yeah. the original description was the number um, and right of the flag stick. Um, and so beyond just the number, uh, what the ball is going to do after it hits the ground, um, how it's going to roll. And if it was a perfect shot and it went in the hole, how would it go in the hole? What kind of speed it would have and all of that. And uh, so I gave you, um, if I remember correctly, I said it's going to pitch at 98 yards. Um, it's going to skip forward about, I think, what would that be? 98. Skip forward about three yards, uh, check there, and then roll into the hole about 430, um, just with the slope of the green. Um, and, yeah, I think I think it did just about that. It might have landed 97 instead of 98. Yeah. Uh, but, but it went in the hole uh, right at 430, and uh, it was just kind of – a testament to how the power of the power of your imagination and the detailed nature of everything can really kind of increase not only clarity but performance. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I mean, it was 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 so interesting. I, I remember when I said to you, you know, if this if this shot was to go in the hole, what would you see? And you went into that detail, and you were so specific. It was. It was so good. I could I could tell all of your attention was really external, getting involved in ball flight, ball speed, um, height, like everything. And as soon as you finished with, and it's going to enter at 4.30, um, I remember saying to you, just, okay, go and hit one. And you didn't go through any routine or any process. You basically just set up over the ball, had a look at the target. And because your mind had gotten so involved with the shot, that clarity was still going to be there. Probably, you know, that level of clarity is going to stay at the front of your mind for, for a decent period of time. And, and you hit the shot. I'll never forget the look on your face when it, it, it did everything through the air. It pitched about exactly where you wanted and then it released towards a hole and, and went in the hole. You looked at me with this, just this look of like, what the actual, what, what happened there? And then I said to you, I'm like, that uh, the term I used was that's why you're on the mini tours. Like that's that's why you're not pro you weren't producing the quality of golf that you're capable of on a consistent basis. Just because we talked a little bit about sloppy thinking, and when I asked you, you know, what percentage of the time out on the golf course would you have that quality of thinking, that detailed descriptive uh, thinking that achieves that clarity? I think you I think you said something below five percent of the time. That's about right. Um, yeah. If, and, if I if I look back at it, it's probably a more accurate representation would be zero percent of the shots <laughs> that I hit. But yeah, so you know, it's just an area of the game that, that obviously you came to me and you said, look, I know I can get better at. And as I said, this was was fairly on in our in our work together. So being able to see that, you know, sharpening that that mental skill set, that thinking, being detailed and descriptive is is gonna have a massive impact. Um you know, we, we, we spent the next few months really trying to ingrain that and we, we saw some really positive impacts on, on performance in tournaments. And 
Um, but but as we went on as well, you know, when we put some training processes in place to make sure that was getting stronger and becoming more of your default setting um, in performance, we we noticed that. Um, excuse me, everyone. I just Lulu, just uh, a cat. It's no, not, she's not ours. Uh, Lulu, welcome, 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 <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Lulu. Thanks for dropping by. Is it your birthday today? No, it's not. She's gone. No, she's gone. Lulu, she's, gone. she's actually. She's actually scratching herself on the end of the computer, and you'll probably see oh, her even in the better. Uh, for, um, for even everyone better. listening, that 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 won't turn up in in. That's only a visual thing. We just had a cat drop in on the uh, podcast for the first time, so there you go. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I, mind you, a cat that lives two doors down. That's not my cat, but um, <laughs> so yeah. As we as we put some training principles in place, you know, six or six months or so down the track, you noticed that there was still some form of inconsistency, which led us to discuss some other elements of mental performance and a brain functioning um, that, you know, you wanted to discuss today and mention. So I'll get you to go into that a little bit, mate, and your history with, with, this, uh, with this function. Yeah. So I was diagnosed with uh, ADHD back, I think, even before I got into school. Um, and wow, this cat right now. It's like that so, meme. It's like that meme of that cat that's in the in the background dancing. We had that in the in Jamie's picture. Sorry, no, that was, we're taking away from your uh, very, actually, oh, very serious part of the podcast. Yes, um, yeah. So I was diagnosed with ADHD really early on. I think I was probably five. Um, so even before I got into school, um, and then kind of the classic, uh, let's just medicate it, uh, and hope it goes away when he gets older. Um, fast forward, you know, I stopped taking any medication kind of through high school, didn't really take anything in college. And then professional golf, I hadn't even thought about it being an issue, um, until, uh, working with you and, you know, we just kind of, the more we talked about it, the more you realize how little things uh, can affect can affect how my brain likes to function. Um, and even in the last couple of years, I've learned more about uh, my ADHD um, through the powers of social media. And uh, it's been really interesting because it's like, wow, that's, that's exactly what happens. Um, you know, I, I tend to get, my brain gets going too fast. Um, for me to really process everything, uh, then that just kind of leads to sloppy stuff because it's boom, 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 got the number, got the number. What am I doing? Okay. Oh, I just hit it and it's gone. Um, obviously when you're trying to play at the highest levels, uh, that's never an ideal situation. Um, but yeah, so just learning little things, uh, with Jamie, like, uh, how alcohol can affect, alcohol from the night before can affect, uh, my next day, um, learning how to kind of slow myself down, uh, in, in situations, um, uh, so that I can weigh out all of the things that I need to, um, uh, and attach my focus on the right things, uh, before I hit shots, but also just kind of learning to live with it. Um, and knowing that, I can be extremely focused for a short amount of time. Um, and so turning off in between shots, um, I think actually that 104 yard pitch shot was the last time I took a practice swing, uh, before 
I hit a wedge shot, um, or at least a pitch shot. I don't, you know, I think that was the same trip that we deleted, um, kind of practice swings from pre-shot routine. Um, and just how to manage myself and my brain, um, kind of through around a golf, through a golf tournament and even just how to prepare for golf tournaments. So yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely been, uh, something that I didn't, I never thought would be an issue. Um, even at growing up, I never thought my ADHD was that big a thing, uh, except for classmates saying that I was annoying and that I talked too much, but you know, <laughs> Has, yeah, I think it was, it was cause it was, it was quite interesting when we put these, you know, these training programs together, uh, around focus and around attention on building your ability to focus, um, and you know that 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 really improved things quite quite well, but there were still just some of these underlying patterns of just we might call them brain farts, where you might just yeah. have yeah. a moment where you hit a shot and you're not present, you, you you're not attached to what you're doing, and then when we started that, you know that questioning process, and you mentioned about the ADHD, I was like, okay, well, you know, let's let's look into that again. Maybe go back to your GP and and, and get some. Uh, get it checked up again, maybe get back on some, some, some mild form of medication just to assist. And, you know, that's certainly, yeah, it's been, been I actually, I had forgotten that we, I had forgotten that we uh, tried the medication again and I actually found out that it was awful. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Like just the way I went day to day, I felt so disconnected from everything. It it was gross. Yeah. Yeah. So is is medication still something that's part of your life in, treating ADHD or, or no? No. Um, I think I took, I think I took medication after that conversation for uh, a few weeks and just realized how just kind of disconnected from everything I was. Um, I, I didn't actually find, I found that for me, um, I wasn't able to get excited about stuff, uh, like I normally do. Um, when I get home from the golf course or a golf tournament, I just feel just kind of in a haze and not particularly thrilled to kind of do anything. Uh, I wouldn't say it was like depression, but very similar to, uh, you know, similar, similar symptom. I've, yeah. And I think, you know, I think Roscoe too, that the medication for ADHD affects people in so many different ways. Um, I think it was an important step for us to, put that back into, uh, you know, the, the, the plan for Matt. And when he came back and said, look, you know, this is just, this is not working for me, then we just needed to accept that, okay, this, this, is, this is how your brain functions. This is how we need to train it and build it to manage it as best as possible. And accepting it is, um, you know, it, as we've talked a lot about on the podcast, acceptance is huge. So, um recognizing you know recognizing when you know you are veering off um and he's he's done a phenomenal job the last couple of years in in, in managing it um himself so which is fantastic can i can i ask one do you mind if i ask one other question just last question on that part uh matt of course do you, yeah do you, go for it in in going away from the medication and and please you know this isn't a medical uh this is for people listening you know we have no guidance yeah. on medical you know everyone needs to get their own stuff sorted if, if this is something, a condition that um, affects anyone or anyone that they know. But, you know, when you came off the medication and you'd, then you've been doing some work on your golf in and around, you know, the thinking through the help with Jamie, did you, did you, did you find that your golf work, you know, had an impact on your, on your 
day-to-day life outside of golf? Uh, definitely. So just kind of knowing um, that there are going to be days where I'm distracted. Um, I think it also helped my wife understand a little bit more just uh, conversations that we had of I'm not being lazy. <laughs> I'm just I'm just tuned out uh, or whatever you want to call it um, for that little bit of time. And uh, really, it's not going to be all day. It's just going to be for maybe an hour where I'm practically useless. Um, but then there's other times when, you know, I'm so hyper-focused into whatever I'm doing that you can't pull me away, or at least you have to find a way to kind of snap me into, Hey, you've been doing this for an hour and a half and it's time to do something else, which is yeah. also good. Right. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much for sharing uh, and being prepared to share, you know, just that part of the journey. I re- really appreciate it. And, and it just brings that, you know, level of, you know, personal side to you and, and to the work that you're doing and, and life as a professional golfer. It's, it's not always, uh, you know, bells and whistles <laughs> like uh, a lot of people think that it is. So um, anyway, sorry, I just, yeah, and I, no, and I think, I think it's great that I think, especially uh, recently, everybody's more willing to talk about mental health issues and, and, diagnoses that they've had and struggles that they've dealt with because i mean it's at least in the states in school a lot of the time if you have adhd or whatever it is you know you're deemed that you might not be as smart or you might not be able to handle uh other things but really the more i learn about it the more it makes a lot of sense why i struggled in school a lot of the things it moved too slowly for me so i get bored and by the time the class had finished what they were doing, I was 15 steps down the road. And so I think the more people talk about it, the more people understand, I think, you know, it's not a limitation. It's not a disability. It's uh, just something that you have to learn to deal with and move on from. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, not a ne- it's not a negative thing. No. Yeah, that's Roscoe. Maddie mentioned something before, which is, incredibly important for success and, and a high performance in anything and it's achieving a hyper focus and that's the thing that we found with Maddie is getting him very detailed the more detailed he can be the better chance he has of accessing that hyper focus so when we're putting together a, a training program for him it is short sharp blocks of training detailed, um, consequence-driven, results-driven, where we're wanting him to achieve an outcome. So he's very competitive. So once we we, we set a bit of a benchmark of this is what you've got to complete in a short period of time, that accesses a lot of that hyper-focus where his training is is a lot better quality. And and that's ultimately where performance comes from. And, you know, the past couple of years, uh, obviously COVID's had, you know, a massive impact on, on everybody's, life but as a as a mini tour golfer in the US COVID's had a huge impact because tour schools haven't been on so the ability to progress through the different you know levels in professional golf has been so challenging the last 18 months uh, especially for Matt in a period where you know the back end of 2019 we put together some really good training programs and the work together with his coach Mario um he was starting to get some really good momentum and have some really good performances. And uh, 
yeah, it just um, you know it was a bit of a challenge. But you know we've we've gotten back on the, on the horse, so to speak, this year with some training programs, and we're seeing some some fantastic results. So um, yeah, for anyone out there that does struggle a little bit with ADD, ADHD, especially. Um, just think about getting detailed and getting descriptive is going to access a little bit of that hyper-focus for yourself. Maddie, what's next for you? So, you know, obviously, like a lot of people, you're impacted by uh, COVID and how it changed the schedule and changed the programs, as Jamie just described. So, you know, what is it now looking forward? Where 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 are we trending or tracking towards now? Uh, it's the it's the season for qualifying. Um have first stage uh, for Corn Ferry Tour next week uh, up in Dayton Valley, up in uh, northern Nevada. Uh, then I have, um, after that, Shriners qualifying here in Las Vegas. And, um, you know, if all goes well, hopefully a couple more stages of Q School. Excellent. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned just as we were chatting quickly beforehand, and it, and it's something that pops into my world. You know, I'm lucky that I get a few people visiting me in the business that have listened to the podcast, listened to Jamie's content, and uh, and someone, it was actually one of the young ladies that came in and said, I listened to the podcast, loved it, uh, love it. I really like the three Cs. And she told me what she did yeah. with the three Cs to remember and to refer to. You mentioned how you do that. How, how do you, uh, you know, have the three Cs at your disposal? Yeah. So obviously Jamie and I've talked a lot about it, but I actually write, um, little reminders. It's not always the three C's, but different things that we're working on that I need to, you know, help myself remember. And I write it on the, uh, top part of my glove. So, um, one of the things that for switching on that Jamie and I do is I kind of hit my, the Velcro on the glove. Um, and so when I do that, I can look down and I see for me, three C is what I write. That's great. Or at least that's what I've that's what I've had on there the last month and a half or so. Yeah, it's good. I mean these these little reminders again, uh, uh, you know, are not just specific to 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 Matt um, and the ADHD component, just to help keep reminding you know him of the most important thing that he's focusing on of the day. But for everybody, just that little reminder of something you're working on, whether it be one swing feel or whether it be one mental or cognitive pattern that you're trying to execute. Um, having that one point of focus uh, to commit to throughout the day is is so is such a great thing. And for anyone that 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 is new to the podcast and doesn't know what the three C's are, uh, jump back to one of the earlier podcast episodes where we talk about you know the the importance of the three C's in your pre-shot routine, which is clarity, confidence, and commitment. Um, the detailed thinking that we're speaking about helps to activate that clarity. Uh, and then once you've got clarity, you can actually access confidence for the shot you're about to hit. Um, and then finally, the most important one is commitment. And you can't achieve commitment without those other two. So, um, so Matt, you had, um, you know, you had a tournament last week, uh, Shadow, uh, not Shadow. Um, Sand, Sand Hollow. Sand Hollow, um, just outside of Vegas, uh, a three-day three mini tour event that we've used as a bit of a tune-up for, for Q School Obviously, after the birth of Dean, uh, yeah, you've been putting some good training in, and it was good to to have a tournament um, to sort of you know to, to monitor and measure where you're at. Before you go into telling me about that event, you messaged me the day before the event and spoke about the impact of bogey-free rounds. How a bogey-free round for you, even if you shoot one under bogey-free, for example, is such a positive 
experience because of it shows you that your focus and attention is, is, is really good, having a clean scorecard, not making too many mental errors and mistakes that, that cost bogeys. Um, so, yeah, that was a day or two before the start of, um, of Sand Hollow. So talk to us about that event, you know, how it went, um, you know, kick us through that from the start. Yeah, so that message I sent you was the day before I left uh, and I was playing uh, kind of, I was helping out with a, uh, kind of a little event that they do to raise some money for some Utah schools, uh, universities. And um, I played a golf course that I've played a bunch and uh, out here and I played it bogey free. Um, and it was the kind of round where there, there wasn't a bogey anywhere close on the card. Um, and uh, so, yeah, just, and we've talked about keeping things clean. I, I call it keeping it clean. Um, it's mostly for my, my thought process. Um, so I don't have the, that lack of clarity, uh, when we're going through it. Um, and then, so I played that little fundraiser thing. Uh, I only made one bogey in that, uh, played a kind of a practice round friendly competition the next day, only made one bogey there. Uh, so I knew that everything was pretty tidy on my end, um, going into the event. And then in the first round, um, had a very nice clean scorecard, shot eight, eight under that first round um, with no bogeys. Um, and then, um, and just, I felt like every shot had that, the clarity and commitment that, that we strive for. Um, and then the second round, um, a little bit different, I think backing up you know, a good round, uh, is always difficult. And it's typically because you're trying to back it up as opposed to just going out playing golf and seeing what happens. Um, but I kind of, I got into that round and I made a couple mistakes, but I got up and down for pars and just realized that kind of today's going to be a little bit harder to, to make it clean. Um, and just kept plugging away, uh, making my pars and sprinkle it in. I think I was four under going into the 16th hole. And th the best part of this round uh, was the text message I got to send to Jamie afterwards because I made a hole in one on a par four on 16. Um, so to go to four from four under to seven under was, was pretty nice. Uh, and then I finished that day at uh, eight under as well without bogeys. Um, and then the final round made a couple, made a couple errors. Um, some of it was bad luck. Some of it was, uh, pressure induced, just didn't hit, just didn't hit the quality shot that I needed to, um, and shot, uh, two under that round that I finished, what is that? 18 under, uh, and a tie for fifth. So just reminder, if you're trying to play professional golf, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> 18 under with an albatross. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, three, uh, three, three rounds. And I got and I got beat by a 60, 67, 67. So I lost by four. Yeah. I think Roscoe, too, the um couple of things that Matt spoke about there, you know, uh, for me anyway, is really, really great to see Matt execute. COVID, you know, interrupted his plans last year. We had some good momentum going, and all this year was about was let's get that momentum back, let's put the training in so that we've got the positive momentum so that the the, the results can happen and 
the last week's last week's tournament was fantastic for Matt, but that was three or four weeks of planning and preparation and training to be able to perform like that. And two things that Matt just mentioned there, which are fantastic, is backing your know, second round coming off a, you know a really ridiculously good round of golf, where as he said he was not even close to making a bogey, but the second round was going to be different. The psychological flexibility that Matt was able to have and the acceptance for today is going to be different. Uh, today is not going to come as easy, so I'm going to have to modify the way that I play, react, respond, and just create that little bit of psychological flexibility is fantastic. Um, but for me, one of the best things was coming off a hole in one where, as Matt said before about you know the, the ADHD of, of, of having high highs and, and that sort of stuff, Having a hole in one or a par four, the ridic- I, I can't even imagine having a hole in one in mini golf. So I won't even start with a hole in one on a par four. But being able to manage himself, control his emotions and his state to then have a birdie on the following hole for me almost was a highlight over and above everything else that week was seeing him. Well, being- to, it's important to validate, validate after, you know. Well, it is, it, it is important to validate, but, but, but when you're in a tournament and you've just had a hole in one on a par four to go from four to seven, your emotions and, and, and you know, those, those things can get so out of control that validating, you know, can, it can be hard to just make contact with the ball, let alone validate. So, you know, that was a, a massive, massive hole. But, yeah, so when I was on my way to the next tee, uh, it's, for whatever reason, it's actually a pretty benign tee shot, all things being equal. But – for whatever reason, I don't like it. Um, it's almost, I don't know if it's, there's not enough to aim at uh, or whatever it is, but on my way to the next tee, I was focused on getting my heart rate back down and refocusing for that shot. I think if I had had a tee shot that I loved, it might not have been as beneficial as the tee shot that I didn't like because it actually, it refocused me into, okay, you have to you have to do something here because if you don't hit a good tee shot, then you're not making a birdie on that hole. Yeah, well, it's a part five. I mean, you can make a birdie, but you gotta you gotta hit it where you need to. Yeah, I just I just thought you know when we chatted after the round and you spoke about that and me watching the scoreboard, you know, online, it's seeing you come back with a birdie because I know how easy it is for yourself to to just check go out. off in. Yeah, just to check out a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm playing good golf and I just had a hole in one and, you know, like you could go bogey, bogey and still have a great round and a great story. But, um, and just with, with those ADHD patterns as well, you being able to just hang on, the job's not done yet. Let's let's refocus, let's reconnect with what we're going to do here in this moment. Um, yeah, just again, another really great testament to to the work that you've put in, the training that you've put in and, um, you know, just when I... When I opened my, my damn Instagram account, I saw a video from you. It's just like a nightmare, you know. Well, everyone knows the story. If you don't know the story by now, you, uh, I appreciate you for not, you know, sending me messages of every hole in one on the planet. But you know, playing the game for over twenty five years and not having a hole in one, and then seeing Matt have a hole in one on a par four, it's sort of bittersweet. You know, great to see from a client, but boy, did it hurt. Look, I just want to take a moment to give a quick shout out to a friend of the podcast, friend of uh, mine from uh, over in your part of the world, uh, lives over in Scottsdale, uh, Chris Day. 
had a hole in one at Royal Dornock the other day. So congratulations to oh, you, Chris Day. And, perfect. Um, he won't say, but congratulations. Put in, put, yeah, tick, tick another one against Jamie. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> from the team here. Chris, now, what Chris a, I, I, sorry, I, haven't, I haven't met you, Chris, and thank you for um, being a fan of the podcast, but um, I'm not a fan of your whole one, by the way. <laughs> At Royal Doorknock, nonetheless. <laughs> uh, yeah, true. Furthest part of beautiful northern Scotland, beautiful. Um, no. Jamie, what I was going to say, just in, after listening to, to, to Matt there talk about you know, that experience with you know, managing that, you know, uh, well, I can't even count that, hammer. is it an albatross? <laughs> One and a par four? Yeah. Albatross, Al- yeah. yeah. Albatross, yeah. And then, ba- you know, not bouncing back, but ma- managing, you know, that emotion and then moving into the next hole. And then also managing, you know, the emotion through the tournament and it's you know, quite important. You know, when we bring that back to everyday golfers, you know, how many times do you hear, you know, some of your playing partners start to beat up on themselves? You know, I had 40 points last round or I had 40 <laughs> points, you know, yesterday. You know, why aren't I? How come I... And, and then yeah. that whole eagle, you know, if they have a birdie or something like that and the, the elation there, and then you can just see the, the challenge that they face. But, and it's a really good lesson to just to listen to what, how you handle it because you're, you're elite. But it's no different to someone like me, you know, turning up having 40 points the last week, it's irrelevant. It's right here, right now. What have I got to do today? Well, I think that's, that's sort of why we all like, uh, that's why we all like golf, right, is because it, it, it is different every day. Um, you know, you can shoot 59 the next day and 81 the following. Mm. You yeah. know, it's just yeah. golf is golf is cruel to uh, if you yeah. try and if you try and compare yourself to what you did yesterday. Yeah, and we and you know the the acceptance of the acceptance of 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 golf, you know, and and I've said it before about how brutal the game is because it's just that's that's just golf, you know. As you say, Matty just said, fifty-nine one day, eighty-one the next. It's, it's happened, and it happens. And but having that acceptance that today is its own new experience, it can be better than yesterday. No matter how good yeah. yesterday was, it actually can be better than yesterday right. if you just be in the present, just commit to this shot, and try not to 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 add too much baggage from the past um, or too much baggage of expectation of the future, and just allow this moment to be. Its own unique experience, and uh, I don't know. Maddie and I have, you know, spoken about that and done a lot of work on that. And um, you know, for me to see him back up a bogey-free eight under sixty-four with another bogey-free eight under sixty-four is just exciting to see the momentum that he's built again this year in preparation for these uh, these Q schools coming up, and and just in preparation for you know a really really good twenty twenty-two, which hopefully we all hope is is back to some sort of normality of what we used to live in normal-ish um, normal-ish we'll take we'll take normal-ish and especially in australia right now mate yeah. we will take we no will take normal-ish on any capacity because it's far from normal here but um yeah we will uh, certainly take that but um no look i think it's it's been great mate that you've come on and, and shared your experience as as a golfer shared your experience with someone that's been diagnosed with adhd and and help people understand that it can be managed and, and it can be lived with, with medication and without medication. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. Just because medication wasn't right for me doesn't mean that it's not right for somebody else. It's it's yeah. it's so personal. Uh, you know, it's just about it's just about managing, and yeah. golf is about managing from day to day, and it's yeah. all the same to a certain yeah. degree. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome, mate. It's really good. So you've got. 
you got through pre stage yeah. of Q school the other the other week, and now you've got yeah. first stage coming up. Yeah. So pre qual was out in the desert. It was pretty sweaty. Um, kind of, I put myself into cruise control a little bit, and that's actually I think what woke me up for San Hollow as well as I noticed how I can still play elite level golf not totally focused. Uh, and so sand hollow was definitely a let's get totally focused and see what happens. And damn it. I had a chance. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. Really good. And for, for the listeners too, uh, Maddie, as we mentioned earlier, is a member out at uh, the summer club in Vegas. That is where the CJ cup is being played on the PJ tour in a few weeks. So check it out. People that follow me on Instagram will probably know, uh, the summer club from my trips with, with Maddie and, uh, those comfort stations there, um, which I miss greatly. The summit's probably one of the best environments for myself to work out of. Um, such a great, such a great property and, and the people there. So uh, come December, mate, hopefully I'll be back there and um, we'll be hitting balls in person and um, prepping for a great 2022. Matt, I just want to... Yeah, that'd be great. Can I backtrack on uh, comfort station? Now in Australia, we call it halfway. <laughs> if you're at a golf club that has a halfway house, uh, that's great. If you're at a golf club that has a drinks cart, that's great. What's a comfort station? Okay, so we have yeah, a comfort station is a nice way to say it has a toilet and some other things. Um, at Summit, our comfort stations are a little different than other places. Um, we have, uh, you can call it free, but I guess somebody pays for it. Um, Free drinks, uh, snacks, cookies. Um, what what do you want? We probably have it. Ice cream, uh, ice cream tequila, margaritas. Has yeah. it got fr- a frozen margarita slushy machine? So so we have two comfort stations at at the summit. Uh, the frozen margarita machine is at uh, the halfway house between nine and ten, and then you come to it again after thirteen, going to fourteen. We call that one Jerry's. Um, you can get stuff fresh off the grill there uh, you know they, the menu changes every day it's it's i'm pretty spoiled let's put it that way so that's the halfway house yeah that's yeah, okay. that and then there's a comfort station i just wanted to clarify and then there's a bit. and then there's a comfort station on uh in between five and six um for a while it was called uh the candy house there's a lot of just sweets and uh it. other stuff like that now it's it's more of a they're trying to they're trying to make it healthier. You can get smoothies, um, and other and other things, and of course there's there are drinks everywhere you look uh, up there. So if you yeah. have if you have a drinking problem, it's either the right or the very wrong place for you. Is Summit where you can um, can you can you throw a line in and have a fish there as well? Uh, yeah, actually, um, I've caught a couple couple fish there. Um, we throw them back, yeah. but uh, behind uh, the eleventh green. Um, we have a, we have a, uh, a little pond there that's stocked with fish. Uh, there are two, two, uh, fishing docks and there's a comfort station there as well. So you can have a fish, throw the fish back and, uh, and everyone's happy. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, exactly. And that, and, uh, get a couple snacks while you're there. We wouldn't want to, we wouldn't want to go too far away for a snack. Well, <laughs> it sounds like a great place to be able to train, uh, be able to play some golf, be able to relax and do all of the things that are important as a budding professional golfer at the elite level. Yeah. Mate, 
I want to say thank you to you for coming onto the podcast again and sharing, being so open with uh, your story, your journey, the work that you do with Jamie. I hope that continues for a very long time and wish you all the very best of success. Wish you all the very best on today, being your birthday. Happy birthday. Look forward to uh, seeing the progress and uh, seeing the CJ Cup at uh, your home course. Can't wait for that. Jamie, thank you once again for uh, bringing us another one of your talented athletes to share their experiences with the podcast. As I said before, jump over to mentalmastery.com.au. You can get the podcast there. You can check out the website. It'd be great if you uh, tune into that. It's a new website and we put a lot of work and effort into that. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate everything that you do, all of the listeners of the podcast and helping the, po- the podcast, the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast, grow. We appreciate you and we'll see you next time on the uh, Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. Thanks for joining us on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you. If you want to bridge the gap between potential and performance and start to build your own unbreakable mental game today, join us over at mentalmastery.com.au at the Mental Mastery Clubhouse where we would love to connect with you and see you on the inside of the clubhouse where we can continue the mental performance journey. It's been a pleasure having you. We'll see you next time.